Hey everyone, Preston Keller here. Welcome to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. We're so excited that you tuned in and we have another awesome episode lined up for you. In fact, this is a part two episode. On May 11th, 2020, we had our Youth Leaders Zoom and we had a Q&A night with Ryan Dean, Victor Jackson, and Adam Shaw. Now, if you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to pause this right now Go to our previous episode, listen to that first, and then come back here. This is part two of our Q&A with Ryan Dean, Victor Jackson, and Adam Shaw, and we're going to dive right in. Question five. The conversation got on the topic of grieving and grief. Here was a question that was presented. One of the biggest moments of grief in our youth ministries in this season is our graduates. How do we minister to our seniors who essentially missed out on their final year of high school? Now is not forever. Only forever is forever. And so, and obviously we don't experience that till eternity, but now is not forever. So, uh, not the same, slightly different. But when um, we had to homeschool, you know, moved to homeschooling her son. So my, my wife works in HR. She's an executive assistant to the vice president of HR for five hospitals. And she's now tied into doing stuff with uh, um, a few other hospital networks, um, meetings and projects and stuff. So it's extremely busy. And then I'm one of, in one of those uh, environments where our church was in revival when, when coronavirus hit and uh, things have not slowed down. They've only gotten busier. And we got an email from, from Judith's teacher that she said, look, this, this amount, like even if we lose the whole school year, is such a small part of their whole educational experience. Don't feel like you've got to be the perfect parent and teach them everything that we send home and, um, you know, hit, hit all of the programs and wear yourself out and your child out simply with the pressure and the process. And, you know, going back to what Victor said about, about perform, being performance-driven, um, I would say to what we got to do is, is we've got to tell our everyone that suffered now is not forever. This is a small blip in a very long life that you are going to live. And so, yes, it's disappointing that you lost, you know, the ability to go to your graduation, but you're going to have a whole bunch of other amazing things happen in your life that are tied to your highlight reel. Let's focus on what's next, not on what's lost, right? So let's focus on where God can take you. God doesn't need a graduation. He doesn't need a, you know, any of these other kind of highlight reel things. There are more hills for you to climb. There's more things for you to conquer. And so now is not forever is what, what I would be communicating because there's nothing you can do to take away the feeling of, oh, this stinks, right? It does. But now is not forever. And so you're not going to be eternally missing your graduation. You're going to move on to other things. And so keeping people focused on what they do have and what lies ahead of them and the hope that's ahead of them, I think is really important. Um, with, with that, I mean, what Brother Dean and Brother Shaw have said, 
I hope you guys are uh, taking notes with that uh, man, what he talked about with an, uh, investing uh, in relationships, using people, um, uh, delegating, and what Brother Shaw talked about with grief. Oh, I hope you're taking notes because that that is just, that's what these kids need right now. And with Brother Keller mentioning some uh, practical ways, you know, um, there's things that you can do where depending on what state you're in, where they're allowing, you know, <laughs> I saw a clip of somebody that was, had a, had a book on top of his head with a little lanyard on top and he's doing his graduation online and the next door neighbor's kids, 12 year old birthday. And so they were all hunking their horn. So you're hearing the graduation music, you know, and he's like looking like that. And it's your beep, 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 beep. And they're like, this is 2020 graduation right now. But using that horn as an example, having some youth, Practicing social distancing, depending on how uh, strict all the states are, if they allow you to come out your house, if you're not on a particular stay-at-home order, going to that graduate's home, uh, um, celebrating them. Uh, people are making things to put in their yard. The youth pastors, youth leaders, you can get uh, their face plastered on uh, a sign and put it in their yard. You know, drop by, put in our yard saying congratulations on your graduation uh, 2020. Uh, somewhere where this is where the church steps in. And when they're not being celebrated anywhere else, they have youth leadership, they have a youth pastor uh, that's stepping in to make sure they're being celebrated. Uh, you can put up a fund together, get with all the youth youth in your uh, youth group. Say, hey, can you donate some money to this fund? We're going to give this to such and such as a graduation present. Uh, something that makes them feel, feel meaningful. Do, doing, setting up a Zoom call or an Instagram Live and them thinking that it's going into a, a Q&A panel or, or a discussion, but really all the youth have talked already where it's just a surprise for them telling how much, what do you appreciate about her? What do you appreciate about him? How, how do they help the youth group? And have that type of discussion with words of affirmation and celebrating their graduation and say, hey, we got a gift for you. We came together, got a gift for you. And, and little things like that will go, they're going to remember this probably forever. Uh, uh, they need to be re reassured, like Brother uh, Shaw said, hey, hey, now is not forever. This is small compared like this like they say you don't really see your high school buddies like after graduation i mean there's people i haven't seen from high school ever again like like i graduated and they're gone i mean i haven't seen them in person since and so it is a small thing in the scheme of life uh but they will remember that they did not have a graduation so, but how, how much more could we apply to that memory, how the church stepped in and celebrated them despite, so they can never detach uh, uh, from their minds. They didn't only suffer loss, but they suffered or 
got a celebration in the middle of that loss. So there will never be separate things. They'll be like, you know what? I didn't celebrate a graduation, but my church, I'll never forget my youth group stepping up in that, in that way. Just some things to brainstorm about. Question six. How do you deal with lack of engagement from students and from youth staff members? Uh, I, I, I think those are two different, two different categories. Um, so as far as staff and those, like those who serve, those who are in leadership and those who are being served that may not be at a high level of, of, you know, spiritual and emotional maturity. Um, rejection in ministry always stinks. It's never fun and it always hurts. Um, but if they crucified the prophets, if they threw them in prison, uh, we are going to also, Jesus said, in times experience rejection from those that, that we lead and those that we serve. So understanding it's part, it's part of the burden of ministry. Um, that not everybody's going to be on board. Some people are going to leave. Some people are not going to hang. And um, I think understand that when you serve in the kingdom of God, um, you're not serving for yourself. You're serving out of a God-called burden to reach people. And I have learned not to take this personally because I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead. And I know this sounds like a sneak a preach, but it's not. It's how, it's, it's how me as an extroverted people person has come to be able to deal with the, the, the stuff of, uh, and pressures of ministry. And that is realizing that I, I'm, dead, I'm dead to the world and I've been crucified with Christ. And I am simply obeying what God has called me to do, and I love people. And if I allow myself, here's my big thing. If I allow myself to become, to become so hurt and so bitter at their rejection, and I make that known or I wear it on my face, uh, and it impacts how I treat people that I lead, there's no pathway back. The father was shattered when the prodigal left. But he did not stay bitter at him. The older brother did. The older brother was the one that got upset and couldn't come to the party. But the father, when he saw his son a long way off, ran, ran to him and hugged him and kissed him and fell on his neck. And uh, there's a young man that I was heavily involved in mentoring and leading when I was a youth pastor. And he just told me straight up the other day, I've, you know, I've, been growing up, I've grown up in the church my whole life. I want to see what the world has to offer. Hmm. Now he's not sure if he believes. He said some pretty kind of harsh things, but I wouldn't let it affect my spirit. I just prayed for him. So I understood he wasn't rejecting me. He was walking away from Jesus. And eternity, eternity is a way bigger deal than my hurt feelings. So I always have kept the door open. He's addicted to drugs now. He's called me high on Coke. He's called me high on meth, but he knows there is a road back because I refuse to get bitter. So when you're, when you're leading people, long story short, when you're leading people, understand people are going to walk away. They're going to backslide. They're going to say mean things. They're not going to engage. That's fine. 
They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. Refuse to take it personal. Don't get bitter because if you get bitter, there's no road back for them. Two, though, if it comes to leaders, um, I'm, I'm not about that life. If, if, you, if, you are, if you're on the team, you're on the team. And, uh, and, and, uh, this is how, this is how I roll. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's the wrong approach, but it's like, if you, if you start dropping off, we're going to have a conversation and I'm not going to, I'm not going to be mean or harsh, but I'm going to be like, Hey, uh, it seems like you are not engaged. Can I help you? How can I help you get more engaged? This has been a rough season for everybody. How can I help you get more engaged? How can I help you become more passionate? Because, man, do we ever need you. I'm going to have a positive conversation, but it will be addressed. Absolutely, 100%. Um, because when people sign up to be on the team and to be a leader, uh, it's, it's a different level of expectation. Because we're here to serve people, and we're in the middle of the biggest crisis that we have seen in North America in our lifetime. And this is no, this is no time for anyone to be spiritually lazy. It's all hands on deck. Cast that compelling vision to your team. Hold them accountable. See if they're, now if they're hurting and they're grieving and they're all messed up, you minister to that need. But, you know, don't, don't be like, well, uh, my feelings are so hurt and just keep that to yourself. No, you owe it to your team to address bad performance. Be willing as a leader. It's so important as a leader that you be willing to have the awkward and uncomfortable conversation. My, my wife jokingly and also not so jokingly calls me the king of the awkward conversations because I'm going to have it. I'm going to have the awkward conversation. Um, because I owe it to the people that, that I lead to do it. And, and I always feel awkward. I feel awkward most of the time, but I always feel awkward in conflict and in conversation, conversations that bring accountability. But because I love the people I work with and I want to see them thrive in the kingdom of God, I address it. So if there are people on your team that are not pulling their weight, find a way to address it. You owe it to them and the God calling that is on their life to address it. Don't let it hang. Address it. Hope that answers. Yeah, one, just two really quick things. Uh, with student ministry, they're in the most kind of, uh, they're in a roller coaster ride. So basically their entire young life, it's they go up and then they have this deep swing down. Now, some of them are incredibly consistent. Those are the outliers. The vast majority of young people, you'll see it in their lives. They go up and they go down. So if you're focusing so much on the downtimes and you're letting that reflect on yourself, you're doing it wrong because there will be an upswing here shortly. So what you do is when they're up, you plug in as much as you can during those up seasons. When they go down, you do try to lift them up, but you don't try to plug in too much at that time. You just try to pick them up. You try to find out what's causing this. If there is an underlying issue, you minister to that need. But as soon as they get back up, plug up as much as you can and you're going to see the results later on down the road. But sometimes you, one of the toughest things about student ministry is sometimes you don't see the results until years later. And you wonder for years if you're doing any good. And then 10 years after the fact, they come back to you and they're like, I know that I wasn't always paying attention, but you have no idea how much you, uh, what you or your wife or someone in the team did for me. Don't be disheartened by like the roller coaster ride that they're on, because I promise you that's absolutely normal. And sometimes, uh, Right now, one of our one of our best uh, young ladies in the church. She's an incredible singer, 
She's uh, she w- actually works at the at the church at our desk. She's the receptionist right now. And she does a million other things during high school. Could not get her to talk. She didn't want to be there. She was miserable. I would send girls in the youth group to go to try to make her feel welcome. She wouldn't talk to me when I talked to her. And I always like, what are we doing wrong with her? Like, what are we doing wrong with her? And so about a year ago at the office, I was like, Beth, what, what, what was I doing wrong? Because I really want to learn from it. Even now, like, I, I want to learn what was I doing wrong? And she said, nothing. I just wasn't ready to hear anything at that time. She said, and when I was ready, everything that you said during those years was reinvested back into my now uh, willing spirit. And like, I was able to receive it all, but it kind of had to build up and then it all would drain back in as soon as those floodgates opened up. So I would say just kind of be sure that you don't let yourself get too disheartened over somebody that's just kind of hesitant to accept it. I took too long in that first point, so I'm going to relinquish the floor to Brother Jackson. Oh, no, that was, that was great. Whenever you're suffering from rejection, and that's what, this is the main point that I want to spend my time on, but whenever you're suffering rejection from uh, your leadership team and uh, peers and things like that, Remember, whenever you get rejected, always remember you're the one being tested. Oh, Lord, I'm going to talk to somebody right now. You are the one being tested. Your leadership's being tested. Um, How you respond, whenever I was on uh, our local church's youth team, um, I just thought, my way was just the best way. <laughs> we had a youth team. I just thought my way was just the best way. And you know what I realized? They didn't think my way was the best way. So I was like, okay, now that's interesting because I thought my way was the best way. And they're like, no, we don't think your way is the best way. And I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of crazy. Never heard that before. Uh, and so there was this conflict resolution that had to happen. I had to look at me. And I had to open my spirit to what they had to say. And you know what it did? It taught me a lot of things that I didn't know. And I was too one-dimensional in my thinking. And so when someone's rejecting you, first thing you got to think of, number one, why are they rejecting me? Is it, is it jealousy? Is it envy? Is it that I hurt them at one point? Is there bitterness? Uh, are they related to somebody that I had to get on to in the youth group and now the whole family is coming against me? Oh, I'm preaching to somebody on here. You, 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 you correct one, kind of give one a gentle nudge. You got half the church mad at you. <laughs> now we got to, Hey man, we got some, we got some little games in Pentecost. Come on, somebody, you know, you, you, you make one mad, the, 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 the gang will rise up, the, the, the praise game team, amen, uh, something crazy like that. And, and so you have to identify what's the source of this rejection and not look at outwardly what's wrong with them. You got to look inwardly. What, what have I done wrong? And you go to God in prayer and say, God, what am I doing wrong? What am I saying wrong? teach me. And that rejection starts chiseling some things off of your spirit to make you into a better leader. You will never get something in your spirit 
if you go to God first and you look at yourself in the mirror. And most times I've suffered rejection uh, from people and I went to the Lord about it. The Lord was like, now here's some issues in your spirit that I need to get right. Hmm. Um, and keeping that, think about it. Jesus is walking around. There is a time, like Brother Shaw said, there is a time where it's going too far, where it's negatively impacting the youth. And you're going to have to have that awkward conversation because it's impacting the youth and you're there to lead the youth. But if it's just impacting you and the youth don't know about it, um, you have to do what Jesus did. Jesus understanding that Judas had coveted already to betray him. Listen, still allowed him in his circle. Oh, Lord. Uh, still allowed him in the circle, washed his feet, knowing what was in his heart toward him that was demonic. He washed his feet. Can I tell a leader right now, you never lose anything when you wash the feet of those that oppose you. You don't lose anything when you wash the feet of those that may be trying to destroy you, those that are rejecting you. And understand if you humble yourself before it, God will entrust an anointing upon you that will put hot coals upon their head, the Bible says. Will you reward good for the evil that they're attributing to you? The Bible says it's like hot coals upon them. And so I would, a, a book about this, and I'm sure everybody's read it, is A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. A Tale of Three Kings, he talks about it. How, how you respond to that rejection and mis being misunderstood. And it's God's test and breeding ground for your leadership. And it's those times during conflict when I was a youth leader that molded me into the person I am now uh, today. Those were important years. And so anytime there's rejection or anything like that, it's like Brother Shaw said, you don't take it personal. If you take everything personal, listen, you will never get your assignment done for your life. You have to learn to set your face like a flint and fulfill the will of God for your life, for your church, for your youth group. And there's going to come a lot of hits, but you can't spend all your time addressing the attack. You got to do like Nehemiah sometimes. You got to have a sword in one hand, mm. right? And, and, a, and, a, and a, a hammer, a tool in the other hand, you know? So, and, and it's just for defense, really. <laughs> I'm defending, but I'm getting stuff done. But you know what they wanted to do with Nehemiah? They wanted him to stop what he was building, come on, and address the issue. And the issue becomes you're putting more emotional value into the issue more than you are in your youth group and in the vision that God has given you and the vision that you're trying to implement that your pastor gave you where you don't get anything done. So at the end of the year, how did it go? What did you guys get done? And all you can say is, well, we resolved the issue with such and such. It took six months. No, 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 no. That's not how you do it. You stay focused. You set your face like a flint. Take the attack. It's a part of leadership. Take the rejection. Remember, you're not doing what you're doing to please people. 
You're not doing what you're doing to get affirmation. You're doing what you're doing to please God. And as long as that stays your priority, you can take the hit and keep on pushing. And like, like what happened to Hannah, your adversary will one day become your advantage. Question seven. What's the first thing that we can do or should do when we get back to normal in-person youth ministry as far as teaching topics or programming? I think it's resetting the foundations. It's a perfect time because whenever they get back, everybody's going to be so excited to be back at church. Um, Right now, our state is moving into phase one, so we're going to be able to meet this Sunday at our church. Um, We're going to have to have two services to accommodate the restrictions, but everybody's going to be so excited in these first days. It's a perfect time to reset everyone's foundations. So if if they've had issues in the past that you seek to resolve, this is the time for them to uh, have a renewed focus on addressing those issues. If, if you've had trouble plugging somebody else into a different department or whatever their strength might be, this is the perfect time to find a place to serve because um, like right now, our church, we were worried that everybody's going to just fall apart because our, our volunteer base exploded by I think 400% in the past year and a half. And so we were so excited because we're riding this wave of momentum. And then suddenly this quarantine thing happens. We're like, Oh my goodness, now, now what? And uh, what they, what we figured out is that because we just found a new uh, place to serve for all these people, as soon as the quarantine hit, they found something new to do. So um, they're out delivering meals to shut-ins. They're taking all the precautions with gloves and masks and all this other stuff. But all the people that were volunteering before, um, their foundation was reset already, but now they're so excited to go back to church. Uh, their passion level is now, you know, 10 times what it was. So this is, this is going to be a perfect time for everybody to start anew. If you've had issues with somebody before, it's a perfect time to plug them back in and see now if they've changed through all this, because I really, be, I really believe that this is going to have a dramatic impact on the way that people see church. Uh, not everybody. I understand there's going to be exceptions, but there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be so excited. They're going to realize what they missed. And uh, it's a perfect time to kind of press the reset button. So if there was an issue before, clean slate. If you've had issues with a staff member before, clean slate. If you've had issues with a student that just kept causing troubles when they come back in, clean slate. Everything starts over now. And uh, I really do believe it's going to have a, it's going to feel fresh. And so it's a perfect time to, to kind of lay a new foundation for some students. That's a pretty generic statement. However, I promise you, I really do believe it's going to be true. Awesome. It's like the ultimate January, right? Yes, indeed. Adam, Victor. I, I would say, um, whatever you connect with, what I, I, so ditto what, what Ryan said. Um, but I'd say on top of that, emphasize that spiritual connection um, when you come back together. We are probably, I'm so excited for Ryan. He and I are really good friends, and we get a chance to chat about all this stuff um, that we're dealing with. I'm, I'm elated that he's going to be able to meet next week. Um, we, are, we are probably uh, sometime in the middle of June before that's going to happen for us. So we got another 30 days on the go. So, um, you know, I, I'll probably know more what that convert, what we're going to be talking about closer to. But I think the big thing for us is going to be getting people to spiritually engage together. It may come super easy, but the moving of God's spirit in our corporate worship 
And, you know, not just where people feel good and sing loud, but where there's uh, those extended times of prayer and, and spiritual breakthroughs happen in individual lives and in families while we're corporately worshiping together. That's going to be my highest and greatest priority um, because if we can have a, and I know it sounds super cliche, but lean into what our core values are. If we have a move of God's spirit, um, that's, that's going to do a tremendous amount of work that, um, you know, that I would not be able to create uh, on my own. And so that on top of kind of reestablishing those foundations, things I'd say, just lean in, lean into who we are. And that's when people come together and worship together, there's an explosive move of God's spirit and people leave changed. And so let's, let's make that the big thing that we all do. And I think that'll be what will make a tremendous difference when we all in our various states of provinces are able to come back together. Question eight. We asked our three guests, Ryan, Victor, and Adam for closing final thoughts. And we asked them what excites them about the state and future of the church and of youth ministry. What I'm excited about is I'm excited about all the gifts that are being used. Um, That now more than ever, we have opportunities in the Church of the Living God for every gift and understanding the value of those gifts. Uh, Everywhere I preach, I try to try my best to give honor to the sound and media team. Uh, because I and understand how what how important it is what they do, uh, and for in this time, look, they're they're working overtime. I'm hearing a I'm hearing a of sound and uh, media team. I'm talking about putting in countless hours like never before, and so this is a lesson that they never know when their gifts going to be highlighted. And so we have to appreciate all these gifts. And I feel like this is setting a stage for us to uh, appreciate diversity of giftings. Uh, um, Look, someone's saying 40 hours plus for our media team. They're putting in overtime and you're seeing their commitment uh, to the things of God through their gift. And I feel like this is something exciting for us. Uh, youth ministry and young people coming up to show them that whatever God is gifting you with, there is a place for you in the body with the videography, uh, with the camera shots, uh, with, with all of these different things. It's, it's so exciting to see because if everyone was the same, the, the church would die. If, 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 if the whole church was like Victor Jackson, the church would the church would die because we need all of these different gifts to fill in gaps uh, that are so essential. And I think this is elevating and showing us, especially in this quarantine, uh, to whatever your gift is, give yourself to it, and it can make a positive impact on the kingdom. Number one, number two, there's going to come a time where it's going to be highlighted. You know, it used to be the sound team, you, you didn't even know they existed unless something went wrong. It's like uh, testing. Te- hey, uh, the, 
hey, uh, this test thing, hey, hey, back there, hey, can I, can you turn up? You know, you know, now it's like, now it's like, thank you, thank you, thank you, you know, and uh, and and I think that's a beautiful opportunity for the church uh, to understand that all of these giftings are needed, um, and there's a lot more where that came from. And I think about with the person with the uh, the the master gave one five talents, one two talents, and the one one talent. And the one hit his talent because he was intimidated by the other people's talents. He's like, they have more, so so they don't need mine. And it's interesting what the master said when he came back. Look what he said. Oh, Lord, help me, Holy Ghost. Hey, come on, somebody. <laughs> look, look what he said. <laughs> you felt it. Look, Brother Shaw felt it. You felt it. Uh, look, look what he said when he comes back. The one that had five got five more. And the master tells them, look, you have been faithful over a few things. Meaning that the 10 talents compared to the master's goods was just a little bit. Oh, Lord. The, the, the two that, that the one's intimidated by, the church doesn't need my talent. It doesn't need my talent. But when the master came back, he said, all of what y'all have is a few compared to what I possess. So if the one would just focus on the master and invest in what the master has given him, he's going to find out that there's a lot more where that came from. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So what we've got to understand here is you're going to be able to appreciate the moment. Five talents, ten talents. 50 talents, 100 talents, why? Because the source is the master. Come on, somebody. And if we will just give ourselves to our gift and go into the master's presence, we're going to appreciate our gift, whether you think it's big or small, we're going to thank God for it. And when you learn to appreciate your gift, it's going to make you appreciate all the surrounding gifts because we all got it. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from above and coming down from the Father of lights. And so I'm just excited to see all my brothers and sisters, uh, their gifts being put on display. And uh, it's just, it's a bright future for the church. Amen. Adam? I would uh, I would say that I can only speak from, from what we've learned in our church, and that's, I'm really excited for how we're going to use the internet so much more effectively than we did pre-COVID. Um, we primarily treated um, COVID-19, you know, we, not COVID-19, we primarily treated the internet as a marketing tool and, you know, throwing, you know, the odd service online for, um, you know, archiving and for people to stream that were, you know, members of the church that couldn't make it. Not anymore. Um, all of our discipleship is now, online because of, of, of quarantine. And one of the things we're starting to talk about is how we can um, connect the on, you know, an online, an online space and a physical space for discipleship in our church and how social media and the internet for LifePoint is going to be more about evangelism than it is going to be about marketing. And, uh, and that to me is what I'm most excited about. I'm most excited about us leveraging the power of social media 
to um, to connect with people and to share um, and to create digital content to share the message of Jesus to people. That's what I'm most excited about. I'm most excited that our entire philosophy of how we have used social media has changed from just marketing, like come and see to go and tell. We are all about the go and tell online now, and that's not going to stop. Even the way we disciple people is is going to change as well. We're beginning to have preliminary conversations about that right now, about can you know being able to tie in the physical meeting in small groups to to digital content and what that all could look like. So that's what I'm really, really excited about. Uh, mainly as an extrovert, I'm excited to see people as well. I'm just I'm just really excited to see other humans and uh, and and I mean, and just be outside more. Um, and so that's, that's also what I'm excited about. Thank you so much for having me, Preston. It's been an honor to be here. Awesome, Adam. Thank you so much. Ryan, final thoughts and, and close us in prayer at the end, if you don't mind. Right. Um, I've, I've been a staunch defender originally of uh, millennials and then now of Generation Z. I've been a staunch defender because they, they were kind of the punching bag for a lot of people, and look, I, there's, there's things about every generation that gets on my nerves, but for some reason, everybody wanted to uh, beat up on millennials forever. It's like, a, it's like people's favorite hobby. However, there's so many good qualities that actually came out of them. If you, if you get away from the negative stuff that came along with it, what you saw was a rejection of materialism that came along because they saw that it did not make people happy beforehand. So um, who was the uh, ones after the boomers? What were they called? Um, why am I blanking on it? Adam. X generation. Gen X. Are you talking about Gen Xers? Gen Xers. They, yeah, they, they went after the materialism. Uh, they, they were all about it. It didn't help them. Their homes were broke and they were shattered. It wasn't. So then the millennials rejected all of that. And now generation Z has taken that to an even further extent. So what I think is happening is God is building up their spirits for a place that as soon as all this stuff breaks around us, they're going to be ready to tap into what is authentic, what is deep, what is spiritual, what is God. And I think that they're the ones that are really going to capitalize uh, on this coming revival. And I think that obviously includes all of you because you're going to be a part of capitalizing on the spirit that I believe that God has been preparing in them. It's going to come to fruition now in this season, and he's going to unlock a new revival through them. And uh, it's not just them, it's their peers. They've also been trying to reject this material materialism. It's still present, but there's this wholesale rejection that's happening. God is readying the field for us. And uh, you guys are in one of the best positions for this new revival that's coming uh, out of anybody in the church. Uh, there was a statistic, last thing, and then I'm done. Um, a few years ago, there was a poll that went out and a study showed that somewhere around 90%, 90 to 93%, depending on what, a, uh, what study I read, but... 90 to 93% of people make their decision to live for God before the age of 18. You are not in a stepping stone ministry. You are in a full-fledged, vitally important ministry right now. This is not your first step to real big boy ministry. No, this is absolutely real ministry right now. You're one of the most important factors of the New Testament church. So with that in mind, let's pray for a revival in all of our young people. Let's pray for a revival that God would use the things that he's been setting up for decades now, because this last end time revival is going to happen through you, through your students, through your staff, and it's going to explode through the entire church. Father, 
We're asking for a new anointing right now. We ask that you would use this season. The world is fearful. The world is worried. But God, we are not worried. We are not anxious for anything right now. We are ready to see what you have in store for us. So God, let your holy presence overshadow every decision in these coming days because it's a vitally important time. God, direct us. Give us wisdom during this time. But God, give us a new and fresh anointing. Give us a new and deeper walk with you. Let us know you better. Let us hear your voice easier right now, God. You're cutting through all of the noise. Help us. Lead us, guide us, God, and help our students. Help every single person that is listening to this call right now or later. God, anoint them for this task that you've set before us. We accept it. We claim it. We proclaim it in the name of Jesus Christ. Let it happen, Father, in your holy name. Friends, youth ministry family, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you want to stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram, our handle is the same for both. It's at Rush Students. And for our podcast, if you feel like it, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us so, so much. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love connecting with you, resourcing you, and just serving students with you. Everything we do is for the youth. My name is Preston Keller. Thank you so much for joining us once again on the Rush Student Ministry Podcast.